This is JU Israel Teachers Lounge, where we reach out to current Gap Year students, alumni, and any interested listeners, keeping you connected to what's happening in Israel and giving you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, senior JU Israel educator, Michael Unterberg, and today joined, as always, by co-host and director of JU Israel, Alan Goldman. How are you, Alan? Doing okay, Mike. And today we are also joined by our producer and Israel educator, Matt Lippman. How are you, Matt? Very well, thank you, Michael. Bokertov. Bokertov. And uh, Alan feels that he has got a sense from the news <laughs> that uh, people are trying to make it seem like there is a brewing culture war in Israel, which I, and, and no, notably on this news story about what happened on an army base, yeah. I put news stories in quotation marks because it was. It's so not news. That's why. Yeah. That's why it's like. Uh, but it appeared in journalistic yeah. entities. It's not just like a social media thing. It actually appeared it, in newspapers. And I, it popped up on my feed, like as yeah. a, like you know breaking news. What was know? the breaking news? The breaking news was Oh no, it's Israel. Beep 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 beep. A soldier in in a base put milk and meat on the same shelf in a refrigerator. And was which was against the army regulation, and therefore his punishment he received was a Shabbat in the army. Um, and a Knesset member from the um, Israel is our home, Israel Beitenu, um, tweeted out uh, and made this into a very big issue about how oh now they're telling us uh, the army has to be kosher and so the next thing women aren't going to be allowed to be drafted and make a whole big thing which is uh, I think why I'm saying that this is the, the frame because I mean the army is kosher that that's the that, that's the official stance the Israeli government is kosher all Israeli government offices and and uh, ed- schools and everything are kosher. They're Every army kosher. base that Israel has ever had has and, been by rule and law yeah, and kosher, kosher and, since. And they have certain regulations to enforce that. Now, those regulations don't always actually fit with actual uh, laws of kashrut, like this one, right? Everybody knows in your home you can put them together. But the regulation is obvious just to keep things clear. Yeah, it's an army regulation keep to keep, to make, because yeah. sh- accidents will happen. So this prevents accidents. Yes. On- so this so this soldier was, was punished for it. Now, we don't know what came before it and why this was. I, my sense from having served in the army and knowing lots of people in the army you make one mistake, you don't get a Shabbat. So most likely... A Shabbat means... You have to stay and you don't get to go home for Shabbat. Which on the level of punishment in the army is... Well, it depends who you are. But I mean, for me, it was like like, like worse than death. Like, you know, it's like... It feels know, terrible. Yeah. It's worse. Like you're ready. You want to go home. I mean, it's really... You need that you know, time to yeah. mentally decompress. So you, yeah. soldiers are genuinely afraid of it. But it's not It's not the axe has fallen. It's not jail. It's not dishonorable right. discharge. It's Correct. not... It's a pretty standard... Yeah, it's, well, right. So standard... We've warned are, you. We've given you a slap on the wrist. Yeah, the first standards are, are hours on your going home, meaning mm-hmm. you get, you know... Delayed exit. Delayed or you have to come back early. You have to come back Saturday night or those kinds of things. And then Shabbat is the next level, you know. So... It's it's slap on the wrist plus. Yeah. For yeah. a guy who you're assuming may have messed around with other things and already got the first slaps on the wrist, probably. Must have. But e- even if he had didn't, this, the, the... He broke a rule. Tweeting out, but then the news picking it up. Right. That's such a big issue when the news knows. I mean... Like, How many soldiers it, it, are getting Shabbats on a regular basis every week in the state of Israel? Probably. I mean, I don't know. There was actually recent... Uh, uh, 10,000? There was recent figures published no. about 1 in 15 soldiers actually serve prison time, time during their, yeah. <laughs> yeah. their army yeah. service. So, I mean, thousands. But the, the making a Shabbat a news story... Th- thousands. I mean, every single base has it's soldiers. It's a standard tool of I commanders mean, to punish soldiers. Every single unit yeah. has someone 
staying in for Shabbat, basically. Yeah. I mean, so to say yeah. that a guy... Now, if he had walked around with his shoelaces untied repeatedly and his commander said, enough with the untied shoelaces, you're getting a Shabbat. Like, it's that kind of... Yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, it, 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 you're, you're, it, it's regulation. Army is regulations, it's, uh, obviously. Yeah, so. it, is, it is how you discipline a soldier to be a more disciplined soldier. So I think that yes. the framing, I think the framing of that um, coming off, right, and again, this is Yisrael Beitainu, they're the ones who did not join the Netanyahu government. They caused the new, uh, one could say they caused the new um, elections by not uh, joining the coalition, um, over the issue of the Haredi draft, the ultra-Orthodox being drafted, right? Really playing off a um, the, the the religious aspect, you could say. that They, they pushed it to the, we don't want to be part of a religious government. Because it was not only, the, of course, the ultra-Orthodox was also what you call the religious Zionists who are an important part well, of it's that. Part of the, it's so, part of the status quo that makes life livable for a secular and religious, that they can serve together on army bases. And, and part of the expression of the Jewish yeah. character of the state is army bases are kosher. No Jew should feel uncomfortable eating and, on an Israeli army base. And incidentally, an, a large proportion of combat soldiers come from the national religious wing, from mm -hmm. the right-wing parties, not That's the right-wing sure. Zionist parties. So. And uh, Israel Beitino, I think, in its head, Avigdor Lieberman, is really trying to create the atmosphere that that's what this next election is is about, is a Chiloni, secular versus religious uh, culture war. Because that's what it is. If we say that, you know, we always teach, we are Jewish people are a nation, mm -hmm. and we have a culture. Our culture is Judaism, mm -hmm. right? Again, now that Judaism can varies, right? There's many different versions of that Judaism, but Judaism is the culture. Mm -hmm. So now if we're fighting over what that Judaism is and where it is in the public space and where it is in the official institutions of the country, that I would say is a cultural war. Now, as we frequently talk about, this is a looming, this is a continuing argument throughout Israeli life is yeah. what role should religion, in what way should religion's interpretation play? And also politically it state. suits him because it, it marks him out as he, he's different by marking that out and marking well, especially on the right. Exactly, marking his territory as a right-wing secular person. There are other secular parties in Israel, but they don't take such a principled stance and such a strong stance and they're left-leaning when it comes to other issues such as you know, security and Palestinian issues and things like that. So he's marking his territory. He's, well, peeing, well, I, on, I mean, he's peeing on the ground, basically, and I, saying, this is where I am. I mean, I, I mean, they're even going further, right? Because he's saying, Let's, we, we need a, we, the next government, which should, the government should be, should be a secular government. Well, he's saying he's going to hold right? out yeah. to make sure that there's a coalition government between blue and white and Likud. Which would be seventy seats, so I'm not sure why they need him. Exactly, and uh, <laughs> and therefore, <laughs> yeah, and therefore make sure that the Haredim don't have a role in the government. So that not, they but not only him, religious. I think he's squaring off right the religious versus mm -hmm. uh, secular. He says we should be the secular people should be joining Greens, and we know the. I mean, the truth is, if you want to, it's hard to frame this, but if we talk about the majority of Israel Israelis, right? We have this in our in our recent, well, I guess we have some in our recent uh, uh, class. Something what like eighteen to twenty percent are define themselves as Orthodox. Mm -hmm. Another how many is Masorti? Twenty five percent it was or something no, it's like more. that. It's a bit it's, more. It was yeah. It was a bigger percentage. Is it forty percent? I can't remember. Something like that. Something like that. And then the rest uh, uh, secular. So it, you have a very large chunk of secular, very large chunk of you know Orthodox. Now those distinctions then, are often blurry. Then, you know, In other words, somebody who calls himself secular might light Hanukkah candles and go to it. Probably go. Probably does. By the way, like Hanukkah candles and go to a seder. By the way, it's and maybe even cultural. They follow the Jewish right. calendar because the, the state follows the Jewish calendar. And many of them don't drive on Yom Kippur. Many of them even fast on Yom Kippur because they are culturally involved through family right. and their own. Right. Particip they'd like to participate yeah. in. 
in the culture of their nation. Where I live, for example, in Modian, about 80% of the population is secular, but there's not a single car on the road on Yom Kippur. Nobody right. drives. Right. So I said to a secular friend once, well, if you're not going to go to synagogue and you're not doing this, well, what do you do on Yom Kippur? How do you get in and out of the city? He said, we don't. We just don't go anywhere. We just accept that the roads, even though the roads are open, nobody drives on them apart from ambulances and police. That's it. So... We stay at home and we hang out and we. So, have a good so time these home. these terms and these distinctions themselves are somewhat. Mm-hmm. When whenever we try to articulate, well, this is what this group is, and these are the percentages. It's fuzzier. But obviously, it's a spectrum. Yeah, it's a spectrum. Uh, life is on a spectrum. Everybody's on a spectrum, but yet, um, it does have real life, you know, implications. No, are you guys talking. are you guys indicating that you think that he doesn't really care about this? Who? Uh, Lieberman the, and, and Yisrael Beitena. Do you think they don't care and they're just using this? Well, I, I mean, they sat for three and a half years now with the Haredim. And, and now they said they're not going to. <laughs> and, they, so, like, and they could have a month ago signed up with Blue and White and they said they... they, they uh, yeah, that's a strange thing. You know, Why all of a sudden now, weeks later, he's saying he he's wants to force a, a, I, a unity I, government. But I, I, I think it's... Un- First of all, I, I my personal rule is if somebody tells you what their position is, believe them. If somebody tells you, I care about this, believe them. Now, he sat with the Haredim for whatever it was, three and a half years. Oh, really? I don't think he liked it. Yeah, but I don't (laughs) think he liked it. And I think it frustrated him. And I think he's saying, well, we have to do something new. We have to come up with a way to exclude them. And that's for good or ill, whether you agree with people or disagree with people. You know, it's an old Maya Angelou quote. When somebody tells you who they are, believe them. I think this is what I don't think, I don't think, I don't Uh, think. Uh, it, it, fair enough, but we've talked about it before that that Israelis do not vote on this issue. No, and I think that that's what he's trying to do. I yeah. try to frame it to get Israelis to vote on this issue. Well, so I, maybe I, you're right. Maybe he does believe. Maybe he thinks it's time that we solve this. That the that there's not going to be much difference in terms of defense, in terms of who's at the top, because the issues are more or less clear. What needs to be done? Um, let's just say that somebody says now is the time that we really need to come to some. Uh, uh, head on this issue of uh, the religious nature or aspect of of the state of Israel. I, I do think he cares. I really do. Oh, no. But I also think it's politically expedient for him to set it up in this way. What was the last election? About the last, like <laughs> a few months ago, was about Bibi Netanyahu. That mm-hmm. was what the election was about. We said it here. The pundits all said the same thing. Everyone said that was the way the election was framed. Either you're with him or against him, basically. Um, so now Lieberman is trying to set the agenda to an agenda that, that suits him, that he can actually come out of smelling of roses and doing well from. Well, it's an anti-Netanyahu agenda. In other words, he, right. he capitulates to the Haredim. It's time to elect leaders who won't. Because saying that I want to force a unity government means, basically, I want to force a Likud without Netanyahu. Mm-hmm. Because Netanyahu won't work with Blue and White, but we get it. Without Netanyahu, you could have a unity government. So he's using an issue that most Israelis agree on, that Haredim have an outsized level of control of Israeli politics, and he's trying to turn that into this anti-Netanyahu kajal. Well, that's why I think that this case with the soldier on the base, for example, is being used as a hammer to which, or a stick to which to beat the Haredim and to beat everyone, even though, incidentally, of course, the Haredim won't go within miles of an army base, so they clearly have nothing to... I mean, mo- some do, mo- but, okay, yeah, but most the majority, don't. yeah. And in, interestingly enough, by the way, so the army base I served on, we had a Chabad guy that was in my in my group, and he only ate Mahadrin, and the base I was on didn't provide Mahadrin food, so he got his food delivered in from a local prison every day. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Even if the Kashrub's regulations were there that everybody could feel comfortable, there's always someone who's going to have an extra level 
And it didn't well, but that's sort of the point. In other words, the, right. the, the, the regulations are the regulations. They don't necessarily serve everyone's halakhic. Right. It's but, not about Jewish right. law. It's about army regulations. Yes, but that's what I'm saying. So he, it, didn't even, it wouldn't even have affected somebody <laughs> like that. Right. So I, I think that he's taken an issue that he thinks he can use. Yeah, well, that's, I, I, I mean, that's what politics is, frankly. That's what all right. politics always is, in, in, I, in, whether you're in a democracy or not. I, I don't want to leave the media... Uh, yeah, this. I was about. That's what I want to say. I I fear. I mean, he he posted it on his social media. That doesn't yeah. mean journalists have to take it up and make it into a news story, right? I mean, the news story is that he put it on his social media. Right. It, it, conflict yes. has drama. Drama gains attention. Journalism is driven by eyeballs on you know, whether it's TV, screens, radio, or screens, whatever it is. And so this thing gets blown up into a story. The same thing with that story. Uh, where was it in Nazareth? No, uh, uh, not right elite. Not right elite. Upper Nazareth. I've heard they've changed the name actually. Oh, they upper have. Nazareth. I can't remember what it is. Can't remember what it is either. <laughs> they changed it because people were getting confused yeah. between the Christian like Nazareth where Jesus was from and the town yeah. where Bamba is yeah. is made. <laughs> <laughs> Their claim to fame. But a a what was the news story? A male homosexual couple was refused service. They refused to. They had made a reservation at a restaurant. Um, and when they got there, they were told there was no reservation because Friday nights are family and couples night. And they said, well, they're, they're a couple. And they said, well, there's no reservation. They then like left and they couldn't, like they were very uh, obviously hurt and they didn't understand. So they thought maybe they made a mistake, this and that. They called the restaurant and spoke to a woman there. Uh, again, uh, all the different levels of who's yeah, charged, but they... They spoke to a woman there who basically said, "Oh well, when you made the reservation, we thought Eden, which was one of their names, was a was a was a girl, and this is couples' night. And you're not a couple." They say, "Well, we are a couple," and she said, "Well, we only recognize men and women as couples, not uh, same gender." Um, and obviously, they were very upset about shaken, that yeah. and shaken. And and the story hit the, the news, but it hit the news. The comment, the the comment from the owners of the restaurant, which is a chain, was, "Well, this was a mistake. That that we apologize. The, the we person apologize. on staff did the wrong thing. The person staff did the wrong thing. Personal staff comes from uh, an Arab uh, community that is not really uh, aware of." Of a these teenager, issues, a teenager was handling the issue. Yeah. She was, yeah, not aware of these issues, and you know, we'll do everything we can to make sure it doesn't happen again. I mean, we the have to educate our staff better, right? The restaurant, restaurant wasn't making a stand like we don't serve. It was clearly a human mistake. Um, again, it's cultural issues. We were dealing with many different cultures here of people coming from all kinds of different uh, cultures and whereabouts to kind of uh, live <laughs> in the same space. Um, some very traditional, more closed cultures. You could say like the Haredim on the So you're saying, although interesting, and, it shouldn't be a news story because it was such a minor incident? I, I, again, I think the framing, right? Or you're that, not saying that, should or shouldn't. You're it, just saying it's weird. It, it, it's, we, it's weird. You know, the, the headline, which I saw in Hebrew, was like, you know, um, I'll translate loosely like gay, gay couple refuse service. Yeah. Which I think is, again, sparking this kind of, you know, cultural uh, dis, dis, conflict cultural conflict as opposed to saying okay we get, we do have a real issue here um, uh, and and how do we solve these problems but I guess that you know that's why I'm a teacher and not selling papers well so, yeah you know, I but, think I think uh, we have to know? and this is you know this is an old argument we had with that I had with yeah. uh, Zev Ben Shachar that yeah. it's the job of the media to show where the conflict is and show where 
the pressure points are and show right. who's doing what and show where the, where the problems lie to educate. You can't right. make a newspaper, which is today, you know, in Ramla, nothing happened. The, everybody got along really well. Right. And a guy got a discount because, you know. Because he's gay. <laughs> whatever. Like, that's just not. Right. So, so to a certain extent, you know. I think there is a, I, I'm not saying it's unreasonable to complain that the media shows problems more than positivity. But on the other hand, I am saying that I think we have to expect that while the media, while journalism does that, we should not make that the lens by which we view the world. Because mm. we understand, oh, I'm reading a newspaper, it's going to show me the bad news. Right. Okay. But that's not the real world. What the 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 window that journalism gives me is a very skewed vantage point to look out of, right. and I, and I shouldn't look at the world that way. Well, I also think one of the reasons it became like in the context of the news, for example, why it was a big deal, was that this was the same weekend when there was a quarter of a million people attended the Pride Festival in mm -hmm. Tel Aviv. So there was like I think the. The way that I saw some of the articles where they were trying to contrast, like, well, look, there's 250,000 people out having a good time demonstrating gay pride, but yet there's still parts of the country. How could where, it be in Upper Nazareth that? Uh, right, with some parts of the country so close minded and so all this. And da -da. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's my point. Right, yeah. exactly. But what you're talking about is one kid really who yeah. made a mistake. We've all made mistakes at work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. But, and unfortunately, yes, I'm sure we've all caused offense by our, by our mistakes. But yeah. Right. We're not trying to. Denigrate anybody, or, or take a group of people or community, and 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 say we're close to this and we don't accept them. And right, for sure. Had the had the restaurant reacted, no, this is our policy, or you know. Okay, then, that's a bigger. If a that, chain restaurant then, in Israel says we refuse or to even recognize homosexuals, right? yeah, on on couples night, right? That's still a weird little story. That's a yeah, whatever. I don't know. A, Look, I, I'm not in a play. I don't have a degree in journalism, right. so it's hard for me to judge. You know, and there are human interest stories that that has a long history in journalism. That you tell something that's interesting that right. happened to people, whether or not it has. If the goal of journalism is to inform a citizenry what they need to know to be more responsible citizens, how to vote, it's hard to argue that this story makes that grade exactly, unless it's being pushed by certain parties that want the country to think that there is a cultural war. Dude, going you on. can't blame Lieberman for that for mm -hmm. the. Gay couples in Nazareth story. I'm not blaming him for the story. Yeah. I'm, I'm also not blaming him for the way it developed into a huge deal. Yeah, but exactly. He's got spinners behind the scene. I don't know what people, what these different party media oh, I'm much spinners. Much less conspiratorial than you. Yeah. I don't think. I don't Me think too. Lieberman has secret no, I just agents think it's in the. the I think there's there is a climate of there's there there is. A, we complain about how Israel gets misrepresented because there's yeah. an overall narrative that journalists has of Israel's oppressor and that stories will fit yeah. that narrative. Well, it's not just about Israel, it's about everything. Right. And so this, you know, these cultural conflicts is also part of the narrative that people, you know, that there's a war of getting homosexuals recognition and there are people pushing back. Right. So here's a story that fit that narrative even though I'm also interested what Lieberman's stance. I mean, I know Lieberman's stance I mean, on religion and culture is very open and all that sort of thing. But I feel, and again, I might be labeling and labeling as disabling, but my general understanding is the Russian community, which is his traditional base, is is also fairly traditional in their views of about the homosexual community and the gay community. So he is, but he's pretty. I mean, policy-wise, he's pretty progressive because right. he knows yeah. he okay. has to be consistent. Right. 
whatever his yeah. personal feelings are. Yeah, I mean, again, is, it goes back to this idea of his in his policy of a secular, mm-hmm. uh, you know, civil marriages and and whatnot. Look, I uh, honestly had a bigger problem with the media's framing of the gay pride parade in Tel Aviv as the largest gay pride parade in the Middle East. <laughs> What do you mean the largest in the Middle East? The largest in Israel is the largest in the Middle East. Exactly. Uh, Because there are no gay parades in the Middle East. Like what? That's such a weird, that was a headline. There was in Jerusalem. There's in Beersheba. There's going to be one in Modin in July. There's one one in cities all over Israel. So (laughs) it's like when I tell my kids that I'm their favorite dad. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Well, a journalist shouldn't, I don't know that journalists usually don't make the headlines. The editors make the headlines. But editors are journalists also, and I don't think you should make headlines that say, because it's just silly. Well, what you could say, I mean, what, what I think you're trying to say is, first of all, this is Pride Month in Israel. Yeah. So. Um, well, that's a culturally important thing that citizens should be aware of. I don't. I think that should be. Well, I'm saying so they could say, you know, Israel I should know that celebrate Pride Month, the only country to do so in the Middle East, as far as we know, right? Oh, Official, right? Only country yeah. in the Middle East with Pride right. Parade celebrates biggest parade in its yeah, yeah. history. That's exactly. a long headline. I don't know how long headlines can be, but that at right. least is. That language, that, that could be a first paragraph. Right. Again, I'm no, not a journalist. What you're upsetting is that it implies that there are other ones outside of Israel. Yeah, it's just yeah. sloppy. It's yeah. just, it, 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 it creates an impression that you know isn't true when you think about it for three seconds, but your writing should be not concise exact. and clear. It's in, it's imprecise. And that 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 type of slice, sloppiness galls me. Right. Even though the issue itself, I mean, we should be aware that Israel is the only country in the Middle East, you know, and, and for 250 and people way, to come was, out for anything in Israel, yeah. a country of 9 million people. And how many were the week before in Jerusalem? Anybody know mm, the numbers? I remember. Also uh, thousands. Those numbers are always very But there's still guessing. thousands. Yeah, no. Still yeah. Thousands come in Jerusalem, again, without a hitch. I mean, those are things that, that, I mean, I remember, I think 10 years ago or something, there was huge conflict over this issue. I well, a, there was of violence. A pray, of a pride parade. There was uh, a, even leaving outside some, you know, extremists wacko, that yeah. are bad. And, and But I'm saying that was, remember, they had to have it, I believe, in the stadium for, uh, anyway. It's down through, I still so, think there was like, well, I think there were a lot of people still arrested last week. There were. In Jerusalem? There, there were. Like preventative. people arrested or something. They were preventative. Well, there was one guy who jumped up to the podium. Yeah. And, yeah there was a few. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it didn't go without incident, but but relatively without incident. I mean, yeah. again, you know, uh so I think. So do that you think there's to, a culture war looming? I think I think that uh, there are those who are trying to frame it as that, and I'm not sure if things are that different than they ever were. That's my right. kind of you know kind of feeling. And you agree that, that there are issues that need better resolution than they have now, well, we, we even do, in policy. We, yeah, we have true. We have tr- we have tremendous um, variance in terms of cultures in this country w- within the Jewish world, within the non-Jewish world, with between those two worlds. And and that's like we've argued, you know, many, many times on this podcast and elsewhere. That that's what one thing that the Constitution does is tries to manage that relationship between different communities. Um, and uh, and so there that, should be a framed modus operandi for yeah, how we're gonna how we're gonna together and share how the space. good is gonna come out of that and as much and there's gonna be friction but how yeah. that can be managed to be as minimal right. as possible and, and shared public space and institutionally and all those things and it goes back to just some of those issues of language you know Arabic and Hebrew and all those things for us all Jewish state and but. Um, I think there is a, and I think we'll see this as we go over the summer more. Again, we're not profits, but we'll see it more and more uh, from the Lieberman side of trying to push this uh, cultural war, that push the cultural issues to the front of the media at least. But it's Let's also, put it that way. It's also interesting because I wonder what the other parties will do. Obviously, like the Haredi parties will push back. That's obvious. And the 
and the religious like right wing parties will push back. I'm not back so more. sure the Haredim will push back because I think they may try and okay. in the media? escalate. No, no, not in not in the media. But I think they they want to de-escalate. But, but what I'm saying is the parties that are trying to be more catch-all, right? The Haredim have their base, they have their people who vote for them, and Zell. There's no right. Whereas the more centrist parties try to be more catch-all. So I'm wondering if they start with a kind of a rhetoric that is feeding into or, or feeding off of Lieberman's rhetoric that might hurt them electorally, and they also may decide to de-escalate. Because if you have Likud ministers or Likud politicians coming out and making similar comments to what Lieberman's trying to do in that framing, that could hurt some of them. Some yeah, of I don't think, I don't think you, uh, that I would be surprised. Yeah, um, you know. that, that's, that's what I'm saying. So that's yeah. why they also would be looking to de-escalate. So he might be trying to set the agenda yeah. But it's interesting to see whether he will be successful and whether enough people will f- keep s- sending articles and stories like the ones we talked about this morning to try and feed that fire or if someone's just going to well, put I think, a I, I guess what it. I think is that that uh, that traditionally, at least as, and this is in my own perspective and my own memory, traditionally the media, the and I hate saying the media because we mean journalism. We don't mean any idiot tweeting something. We mean professional journalism looks at problems and identifies them and gives you that skewed view to the world that the world is full of problems. And it was leaders and politicians and communities that said, well, we have to work on those problems, but they don't define us. We're, we are we are bigger than those problems, and what we share and what unites us is much bigger than what divides us. And so that picture wasn't our self-perception. Right. It troubles you, and you're like, okay. Now, uh, today, I think, to a large extent, that media version is, to many people, self-perception of what we are. And, and we see this, you know, when politicians make the media the enemy, and you have to choose to believe me or the media. Right. You know, because the media itself is a problem that's destroying our society. Oh, my gosh. Then what's left that unites us into single groups and conversations. And I think we we shouldn't fall prey to that type of culture war, where we're, we're being, I understand journalism is going to show me the problems, but that's not what we are, and that's not who we are. We are bigger than that, and we, we are much more united than that. And so I think the consumers, we are consumers of media, should be following what I, I always, I always phrase it, I always see it through the lens of, a famous uh, statement by uh, Rav Cook, the first chief rabbi of the Jewish community in Palestine, in uh, Arpalei Torah, that he says, "Righteous, mm-hmm. truly righteous people, don't complain about the dark. They increase the light. They don't complain about ignorance. They increase wisdom. They don't complain about unbelief. Injustice. They increase belief. Mm-hmm. They don't complain about injustice. They increase justice. That we are the people who always look for how to bring more light into the world. And I honestly assume that most of my fellow citizens are looking at the story that way too. And I, I think that's true. All right. So I'm not playing in a culture war. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not play. If people want a culture war, we're not playing. I don't think there is one. Right. Uh, even though sometimes there are people trying to shape to make it look that right. way. There really isn't. There really isn't. You walk out, anytime you inter- interact with somebody different than you, you watch people or see people falling over each other to try to show, I respect you, I'm tolerant of you, I'm a nice person. You'll get the occasional jerk, but most people, there's no culture war. But there are problems that need to be addressed, and that's the work ahead of us. So, it's a complicated issue, but I think uh, not one that has to fill us with dread. 
fair? Fair enough. All right. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Alan. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. And thank you, Ben. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, This is the part where I remind you that we are the JU Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast. And it's also the part where I ask you to subscribe, to rate and review us, and to share and recommend us in any way you can. Also, we'd love your feedback so we can respond to you on or off the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Thanks.